Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Well, it's time for another Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Walter Storholt here with David Dickens, President, Wealth Advisor at KC Financial Advisors with an office in Overland Park. Find us online at CoverYourAssetsKC.com. David, good to be with you this week. How are you, my friend? I am doing well. The dog days of summer have arrived in Kansas City, so it's a really good day to be inside talking to you. Have they ever. Air conditioning. Very thankful for it, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how those pioneers did it, man, but I would not have I wouldn't have not thrived in that deal. Man, it, to me it's just the, like the never being able to recover from the heat, you know? Like that would just be what's so tough. Like I can deal with the heat like throughout the day, but at the end of the day in the evening, you need to be able to recover from it a little bit. So I can't imagine just being like so hot all day and then having to go to bed hot and wake up hot. <laughs> <laughs> right. You get the humidity. You can't get rid of that. Linda and I were looking at the forecast last night, and she's saying, well, at least it's going to be low 70s at night, so we'll feel pretty good about that. Oh, my gosh. We lost air conditioning a couple of years ago during a really bad heat spell. And uh, I mean, I, I don't think I didn't think I was going to survive when we hit day two. <laughs> I thought the world was going to end. It was it was pretty rough. We were so worried about our dogs because they were just, you know, they were just panting heavier than I'd ever seen them before. And it was just all night long. I felt so bad for them because they were just they were just so tired. But yeah, those things happen. And uh, everybody had lots of water. and We made it through it. So that's good. There you go. Got it. Got to know what you got to have to get through it. That's right. Well, we've got a great show on the way today. We're, in fact, the next two programs going to be answering some of our listener questions. We had planned to do all these questions in one podcast, David, but you just got so filled up with great advice as you were prepping for the shows, we decided to split them into two. So I'm <laughs> yeah, sure our question answer askers it, will appreciate <laughs> that, a little more time spent on each question. Well, I hope they will. And the, so a lot of the questions uh, were able to be dismissed pretty quickly with a with a quick return email, but but these four I thought were really good, really in depth, and they um, they helped draw out some extra detail from uh, each of those from a couple of those podcasts in the in the three part series. So uh, hopefully these are super good and they answer some some bigger, broader questions that some other listeners might have. Well, let's dive into them. Uh, two for you today: one from Ron, one from Terry. We'll start with Ron's question to get things kicked off. Ron says, I'm 66 and my wife is 65 and we have IRAs of about $1.3 million. We don't really need money from them now, but we know that at age 72, we'll be forced to begin withdrawals and that will put us into a higher tax bracket. What should we do now to reduce our future tax bill? Yeah, so Ron, that's a great question, and you have, you're asking it at a time when you actually have some some time before you can't do anything about it. Because once you turn 72, it's really, really hard to make changes regarding future taxes. So I have two ideas for you. One is kind of now, and another is once you turn 72 in a way that you can reduce your tax bill then. So first of all, Ron, you let's see, you don't really tell me what tax bracket you're in. But for our listeners, let's say the, uh, you're, the 12% tax bracket stops at 81,000 roughly. I'm going to round these numbers off, but about 81,000 of taxable income. And since Ron and his wife are both over 65, they're getting, let's call it 26,000 of deductions. So maybe they've got income of a little over 100 grand. So that's the 12% bracket. The 22% bracket stops at 172,000 of taxable income. 
and the 24% bracket at 330,000, just to kind of set the, the, the ground level here. But in 2026, unless Congress does something, and they're proving it's really difficult to get anything done these days, unless they do nothing, then the Trump tax cuts stop on January 1st of 2026, and we revert to the old tax schedules. So, Ron, your 12% bracket becomes 15% in 2026, about the time when your required distributions are going to start. If you're in the 22% bracket, well, that reverts to the 25% bracket. So if Congress does nothing, your tax rates are going up. And if they do something, they may go up further, but I don't think they're going down from here. So, so I think that's the problem you're trying to solve. The first thing you need to look at, if you haven't already, is your $1.3 million now, if you're not spending any of it, in six years is going to be about $1.85 million if it grows at about 6% a year. Now, you, be, you may be super aggressive and it may grow more than that. You may be real conservative and it grows at less than that. But I feel pretty comfortable saying, well, 6% a year, your $1.3 million problem is going to be a $1.85 million problem. So then, Ron, when you turn 72, the IRS is going to say, hey, Ron, you have to take out 3.65% of that in the year you turn 72. And that percentage goes up each year until your death. So 3.65% of that 1.85 million, that's 67 grand. That's about $67,525 to be exact that you, you say you don't want, you don't need, but you're going to have to have, and that's totally taxable income. So on top of today's, let's say that you have taxable income of maybe 70 grand, which puts you in the 12% marginal bracket. At age 72, you can, and, and, and let's say that your Social Security has gone up a little with cost of living. So maybe it's 74 grand by then. Add that 67,000 to it, and all of a sudden you're at 141 grand. They've got you in the 25% bracket if you do nothing. So the question that you're asking in your, in your really good question is, is there something I could do now to pay less in taxes before I'm locked in at age 72? And there is. And probably no big mystery for people who listen to our podcast regularly. One thing you can do now is a series of Roth conversions over the next five years, if I've got your birthday right, until the year you turn 72, the year before you turn 72. And so Ron, let's say, so what you want to do is size those Roth conversions so that you determine which tax bracket you want to be in over these next five years. So I've kind of plucked a number out of my thin air, which is 100 grand a year. So let's say you converted 100,000. All you're doing with a Roth conversion is taking money out of your IRA and putting it in your Roth. And of course, paying taxes on that money. So you would be doing that at the 22% bracket, the 22% marginal bracket. And the reason you'd be doing that is because you know, unless Congress does something which I think they're unlikely to do, you're going to be in the 25% bracket when you have to start taking that money out. So you're saving yourself 3% in taxes, maybe more if taxes go up between here and then. So what you're going to have is if it earns nothing, you're going to have half a million dollar Roth IRA. You're probably going to, you know, it's going to earn something over that five or six year period. But when you turn 72, your IRA is not going to be a million eight anymore. It's going to be about a million one or almost a million two because you've been taking a hundred thousand out each year 
and putting it into a Roth. So not only is your, is your Roth IRA going to be nice and big, your IRA is going to be smaller, but because your IRA is smaller, your required minimum distribution will be smaller. So Ron, you probably likely remember five minutes ago, I said that your required distribution, if you do nothing, will be about $67,500 a year. But after exercising this Roth conversion strategy, it won't be $67,000 anymore. It'll be about $42,500. So $25,000 less at the 25% bracket, the $25,000 less that the IRS is going to make you take out of your IRA. So there are a number of different ways that you benefit from doing that Roth conversion. Now, over time, over the next five years, good reasons why you wouldn't do it in a big lump because all of a sudden you might bump yourself into the 37% bracket. And there's no reason to pay more in taxes just to avoid required distributions. That's kind of silly. But uh, by paying less over time, instead of doing nothing until you're 72, can make a lot of sense. So hopefully that was, that was fairly understandable and fairly straightforward. There's one other thing you can do that everybody can do once you're required to take distributions. Uh, so at age 72, Ron, let's just say that you and your wife, you and your spouse are givers, and maybe you give money every year to your church or to your university or to some other 501c3 organization. You can do a qualified charitable distribution from your IRA, and that is not taxable. So here's how that works. After your Roth conversions, we said you're going to have a $42,000 roughly required distribution. And let's say that you normally give 10 grand to your church every year. So all you do is have that custodian, TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, Schwab, an annuity company, doesn't matter who the custodian is, but you have them send that $10,000 check directly to your church or to your university instead of sending it to you where then you would write a check. So if they send it directly, the IRS never taxes that, but it does count toward your required minimum distribution. So that's a strategy. You can't use that now because you're not of required minimum distribution age. But once you get there, that's a secondary strategy because you're probably not going to be doing Roth conversions after age 72. So Ron, terrific question. There are things that you could and probably should be doing right now. This is not a specific recommendation to you because I don't know you and your other situation, but it seems to set up nicely for a series of Roth conversions before age 72 and then qualified charitable distributions after age 72. It's a really helpful answer. I think, you know, RMDs, one of those things, I mean, taxes, confusing, RMDs, confusing, you add two of them together and you definitely need a plan to navigate and work through those things. But Ron, you're doing a great job of saving in those IRAs along with your wife and you guys are in good shape. Just make sure you make the right decisions going forward. And uh, if you need any help from David on that, you know the ways to reach out, 913-317-1414, 913-317-1414, or coveryourassetskc.com, and we'll put the contact info in the description of today's show. Great question from Ron. Now we get one from Terry here, David. Terry says, thanks for the podcast on estate planning basics. We just listened and have a question. To avoid probate when we die, we added our son as a joint owner of our home. 
But my brother-in-law says that can cause problems, and your podcast led me to believe he might be right. What are your thoughts? Okay, so Terry, I went back and looked over my notes from that podcast, and and I've mentioned it, but but not in any particular detail. And there, there's a really good case out of Nebraska, which always comes to mind when I have this discussion with people in my office. So here's how that sets up. What you did by adding your son as a as an owner of your home was pretty easy, but it's not a good idea. And here's why. Let's say that your son is a super responsible citizen, pays his taxes, is a quality individual, but he's out late one night, falls asleep behind the wheel, hits three pedestrians, and unfortunately, two of them die. So your son is in a pretty bad predicament. He obviously gets sued by the two families of the people who died, and he loses. And he has way too little in liability insurance. So the attorneys for the other side look around for all the assets that your son has. And one of the assets he has is your house. Since he's listed as an owner, they're able to attach their claim on him. They're able to attach that to your house. So that immediately becomes obvious to every listener. That's not a good thing. So that's why you wouldn't want to have him listed as an owner. It's a really unlikely situation, but it happens. You just don't want it to happen to you. So what you want to do, your idea is a good thing, but what you want to do instead of naming him as a joiner is name him as a beneficiary. And in most states, that's called a um, transfer on death deed, a, a TOD deed. And that's pretty easy to do. You, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, you can go to the county courthouse uh, right here in Johnson County, and they will give you the forms necessary to get that done. And about the trickiest thing is to make sure that you have the exact legal description of your piece of property. And if you've ever seen one of those, they're about as long as your leg, but you'll find on, on a mortgage, old mortgage documentation or something, that exact legal description. And then you just need to make sure that that's on file with the county. So that's what you would do. Instead of naming him as a joint owner, you'd name him as a beneficiary. I'm assuming from your question, but we don't know, that you just have one son, one child. Uh, if you've got six kids, well, you put all six of them on there if that's what your wish is uh, at death. So that's the way that you would actually want to do this such that nothing uh, gets crosswise if worst case something happens and that your son causes that causes him a significant financial difficulty somebody comes after his houses his his property and your house happens to be listed under his property so it's fairly easy as a do-it-yourselfer you can easily pay your estate planning attorney probably three or four or five hundred bucks to do it for you and that way you're you're confident it's done exactly right but either way uh, Terry, that's what you'd want to do for your house, for your cars, and that's super simple to do at the DMV as opposed to putting your son as a co-owner of your car. And then, of course, on your bank accounts, uh, a transfer on death designation on all of your banking products. Um, so, and, and if you happen to have any annuities, uh, you would do non-IRA annuities. You do that on them as well. So pretty easy to take care of those things. You just got to make sure you do them in the right way so that the unintended consequences uh, come off the table. 
Another great question from one of our listeners here on the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. And if you have your questions for David Dickens, you can certainly uh, get in touch a couple of ways. You can email David, ddickens at kcfa.com. You can go online to coveryourassetskc.com and submit questions through the website or find more contact information there. Or call 913-317-1414. We love getting questions here on the show. David can explore them uh, in pretty good detail. And uh, I think we got some of that detail on today's program. As always, though, to get a true look at your financial plan, you're going to want to come in and go through that complete planning review process that David has. So again, for your own CPR, complete planning review, get in touch in one of those various ways. David, thanks for answering these two questions on the show today. And I know we've got two more good ones lined up for next week. Yeah, we do. I think they're, they're, they're different, obviously, from what we just covered, but super important uh, as you're in that kind of that retirement red zone of age 60 to 65. So I'm looking forward to doing those next week with you, Walter. We've got sort of a healthcare question for next week and then a pension IRA annuity question as well. So should get a lot of ground covered even in, even in just two simple questions. So we will look forward to that. Until then, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time right back here on the Cover Your Assets KC Podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and KC Financial Advisors are independent of each other.